What's going on, everybody? Rory Kelsey here, back with a uh, new episode of Therapy Sessions. Uh, tonight, I have a good buddy of mine uh, who I've met um, at Silver Oaks. He is a uh, fellow survivor of that behavioral hospital, if you want to call it that. Uh, but his name is Leo. He uh, He's a good guy. Uh, he's a big nerd like me, into movies and all that fun bullshit, comic books. And uh, I'm sure we, we might get into our... Uh, Marvel versus DC bullshit that we always get into every time we get together, but um, yeah, so uh, Leo, man, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, Rory? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, I was looking forward to getting you on here just because uh, I know we got a bunch of stuff that we could talk about, so um, I'm glad that you were uh, able to come on and uh, appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah, and uh, appreciate the podcast that you have. Um, you-, you do learn a lot from everybody's experiences, and you kind of feel you know, a little less alone when you realize that other people go through the same battles. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, some people, I, I mean, a couple of guys that, that came on, I, I didn't talk to in a long time and, uh, I had no idea. And, you know, they, they come on, they tell their story and, uh, it's kind of awesome that people are willing to come on and, uh, show a little bit of bravery, I guess, and just, uh, speak out and let the world know that it's, it's okay to not be okay. You know? Right. Right. And then, it's funny, um, last, well, I mean, we are good friends. So last week you had come over, right. And, uh, my cousin actually asked, uh, like who you were. Cause he's like, Oh, you seem pretty good friends with the guy. And I was like, yeah, no, he's a really good buddy. And one of the things that most people don't know, uh, is that technically at silver Oaks, uh, while we both were there, we only shared one day together. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you were pretty much at the end of your journey, if you want to call it that. And <laughs> I had just started. So um, we had about maybe, I don't know. The, the thing about Silver Oaks, though, is it's almost like one flew over the cuckoo's nest where the time just drags, right? Yeah. And you lose all concept of time. So uh, even though we really only talk to each other for i don't know let's say a couple hours at best it felt like an eternity yeah right uh and during that time i i I think i mentioned that i i worked you know that i went to film school and had done some projects and whatnot and had some experience with professional film set and then we talked about marvel versus dc thanks to connor shout out to connor who had been on this podcast and uh yeah, that was pretty much it. And then you left. You abandoned us. So, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I had like six other days to, to fend off by myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you gave me your number, probably thinking that, oh, this guy's never gonna call me. Yeah. And then I got out, and yeah, no, I definitely gave you a ring, and here we are. And every, like I said, everyone thinks that we like, w- we we went. In at the same time, it came out at the same time, but that definitely wasn't the case. No, it was uh, one day. I didn't, I remember, yeah, you were sitting next to me, and like, I think I told you this story, but it was weird because uh, the uh, the group sessions we always had in that room, there was like the table, and then there was some the chairs against the wall and stuff, just in case there was an overflow. And like every day, I, every group, I sat in the same chair at the table in the middle, like every time with this one group. I don't know if I came in late or if I was just like not feeling it and just didn't feel like sitting in my spot, but I just ended up sitting up against the wall against the window. And I think it was like your first day and might've been one of your first groups. And you just sat in the chair to my left and didn't think anything of it. 
Um, and, uh, we got to you and you started talking and then you mentioned your, uh, your, uh, history, your, your amateur career, whatever you want to call it with your film stuff. And I was just like, Oh, and I just kind of started talking to you while the group session was going on. And then we got yelled at because uh, we were talking while other people were talking and that's a no, no, but, uh, yeah, they just kind of sparked it a little bit. And then, yeah, when, uh, I was just sitting at the table doing my own thing and Connor came over and like dragged you over to me and he was like, he likes DC, you like Marvel fight. And he just like treated us like chickens in a fighting ring. And yeah, you were very passionate about your DC comics. And, uh, I was just like, Oh, okay, cool. He knows more than me. So I'm not going to pretend like I do. And uh, I still, to this day, don't act like I know more about comics than I do. So, yeah, it was uh, one of those things, and I got your number, and uh, I texted you. I think I texted you, like, the day I got out of there, the day after or something Yeah, like that. I think there was some messages. And I, just, yep. and I forgot that you were only in there for, like, a day, so you had some time to get out, and then when you got out, you finally texted me. I was like, oh, no shit. And then we got together a few times. and Well, let's be honest, Rory. The, the whole thing is you scoped the room looking for another alpha, right? And there was nothing but betas there. And then there was – I mean, okay, I'm not going to lie. Okay, the the guy that looked like James Franco from Spring Breakers, he might have been a little bit in an alpha, right? The, um, I can't think of his name, unfortunately. Uh, he was a really cool dude. Um, talked about Jesus all the time and then boxing, and that's how I was like, oh, dude, you like boxing. Let's let's talk since we have nothing but, you know, time to talk. But, you know, right. other than that, everyone's pretty much beta there. So you're, you spot the other other alpha, and since you know we're both not completely stable in the head, the only way to prove mm-hmm. our alpha ness was comic books, which is very oh, yeah. yeah yeah, which is very funny to think of that like oh well you it's know a very a very alpha thing to yeah do totally about. talk about Who knows comic yeah, books better Moon Knight would totally beat you know uh, Azrael and then no no it wouldn't because this comic book and stuff like that. Right. That said, I can you know I, I'm not gonna lie. I, even though you are a big Marvel guy, and I'm going to give, give you points for that, uh, I do know comics just in general more than you. Right, and I've admitted that, and I have no problem with, like, you know, like, the writer's names by heart and illustrators and shit like that. And right, just... I just, like, I don't look at the writer, which is shitty, I should look at the writers because I, I want to be a writer myself, but I just look at the stories and the illustrations and then the characters and i'm like oh this is good this is good this is good i like this because it's a good story it's a good run it's a good whatever i don't really necessarily look at the who wrote it who illustrated it i just know that it's a marvel book and it's got characters that i like and then i'm, and I'm game for that right and it's one of those things where i i've always read comic books right i i can remember that the uh the first comic book that i i ever got was this like and it's funny because I, I own it now. I own, I don't know, like 3,000 issues, individual issues, probably more at this point. I've kind of lost count. But one of the first issues I remember getting, if not the first, was a like legend, Untold Legends of the Dark Knight, which was like artwork by Jim Opero, who's one of my favorite artists. I have statues of, of artwork by that guy. But I think we got it at like a, you know, like those like, and I'm not going to probably be, you know, uh, appropriate for the times but it was like this Middle Eastern dollar store slash like general store so stuff really wasn't a dollar and I remember it was on a rack it was like this old raggedy rack of just comic books that were definitely not of that time and my mom mm-hmm. got me one she paid because I, I don't come from like a rich background uh, so uh, I think she paid it in like quarters and we took it home and I saw Batman and then I fell in love with the actual comic book mediums because who hasn't really you know 
we all grew up watching the Saturday morning cartoons and the Spider-Mans and X-Men's and whatnot. But that comic book, you know, um, was probably the birth of my love for comic books. I didn't necessarily like I would get comic books now and then like the death of Superman. I had all like I had a bunch of those. But um, believe it or not, I didn't start really getting heavily back into comic books until college. And then now that I'm a dad, I have nothing but time, right, to like read comic books in terms. Well, those are the type of hobbies I like to, you know, dive deep into. I don't know about you, Rory, but like now that like you have kids, because I know you have two. I don't know how you do it, dude. <laughs> I have one and it's a handful, but having <laughs> like having kids, like you try to find more like wholesome hobbies, right? You know, comic books being one. Yeah, I got my comics. I go to the gym, and that's about where the list ends with the hobbies. Right. Oh, there's movies. Yeah, yeah. I got like you can. I guess you can say my writing is my hobby, but that's like, I love. I love that I am able and capable of writing stories and characters and storylines and everything. But I fucking hate sitting down staring at a computer screen or a piece of loose leaf paper and like actually have to write like a storyboard or a character arc or something something and it's like you just see the especially on your computer you just sit there and you watch your little cursor just blink at you with no words no letters nothing and you just like you want to scream so writing is something i am good at i wouldn't necessarily call it a hobby though right and I mean, that, that blank page is intimidating for everybody and everyone has like different methods and you're always constantly evolving as a writer. I mean, look at your, your script, which we can go into detail more later, but like you're, you're about how much you know, this guy. Okay. <laughs> he tells me he, he like, trust me, right. I'm one of the first people to actually give him constructive criticism on this. And he likes to tease me about how I've been. You know, I don't like it. I didn't say I didn't like it. I like it. Hence why I keep reading it and giving you feedback. I'm just saying the best way to make something better is to give it constructive criticism. Yeah. Plus. That's why you told me to scrap it and rewrite it. Well, here's the thing that most people don't know. Um, And actually, towards the end, I'm sure a lot of people at Silver Cross, like, were like, this guy's such an asshole. And I've, you know, that's one thing that I'm not going to deny. Yeah, kind of a little, little bit on the arrogant side, but it's okay because that's what keeps you coming to me, Rory. Like, and you know this, so no apologies from me. Wouldn't expect any from you either, but no. Um, but uh, Silver Cross, um, we should probably talk about some of the more serious topics before we move on to the lighter, fluffy stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable, or I, I know you said that you're an open book and everything, but. Um people kind of have an idea of why i ended up in the hospital um i don't know if you want to feel free to share your story and whatever you're comfortable with man that's what we're here for. yeah that that's fine um yeah i have nothing there's there's no shame in mental illness i mean you've you've uh you've mentioned this like during multiple times in your podcast some of your other guests have mentioned it and um i have no shame at admitting that i have a mental illness it's a little more different than the rest of you guys sometimes for better sometimes for worse because you guys don't have the highs that I do where I believe that like I'm Kanye West and I can sell a $90 white t-shirt. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there are other times where, you know, I feel just as low where, you know, you, you feel very insignificant and you're like, you're a blemish to the world and nothing you can do is right. So um, we are another thing that kind of, we found out pro- actually after we both came out of the hospital 
is the fact that we both uh, spent some time in a mental hospital that wasn't our first rodeo and we had done so as teenagers. Yeah. So um, I had spent, so I had always been, I'd always been depressed, right. Uh, As a teenager, you know, um, with emotions, you think it's puberty, right. Most of the times you just all like, Oh, this is just normal. Right. This is part of growing up. But the, the feelings kind of intensified. It didn't help that, uh, when I was a kid, I remember that uh, my mom would always talk about her brother like it was her son. So I'm assuming, like, not I'm assuming, but she told me. And then I made, you know, you fill in the kind of the gaps that she uh, raised him like a son. And he, we, I remember, I still remember it, I got a phone or we got a phone call. Uh, it was at night. And I, all I remember was, my mom answered. She sounded kind of serious. And then she broke down in tears and screams that I could still like, they're very vivid. Right. And long story short, she found out that he had died. Uh, everyone said that mm. he had, he had been mixed with the wrong crowds and there was drugs involved, but we later found out that it was suicide. Right. Oh. So that was probably the first indicator that there was mental illness running in the family. Not to mention that uh, my grandfather had violent mood swings that my mom would tell me about and how he was kind of abusive. Right. And God rest his souls. She doesn't hate the guy and none of us hate the guy, but you know, he, he had his faults cause he's human, but he clearly showed signs of the same mental illness that my uncle potentially could have had. And then later in life I found out I had, uh, but at 15, I remember I took some, you know, you have stupid teenager relationships like we all do. But when you have mental illness, it kind of sucks because you sometimes take those to an extreme, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't even, I, I think the girl's name was Vanessa. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, but like, long story short, didn't take it very well uh, and just wasn't socially like, there were times where I was right. And that's the one thing that most people know. Like if I didn't have a mental illness shit, dude, I would be Kanye West types of arrogant. Right. Cause when I'm on it, like I'm, I'm a salesperson. That's that I'm just naturally a salesperson. Uh, and, uh, but when I'm low, like it's, it's pretty bad. But in, in high school, there would be times where I was like socially just, you know, doing really well. And then there'd be times where I would just fall apart and I would kind of just hide that. Right. But little, little by little things started just kind of falling apart. And, um, long story short, uh, I did not handle this one thing that when you look back at it, you're like, Oh, that was so insignificant. It was just, you know, teenagers being awkward. But I remember, uh, at the time I thought it was a really good idea to like, uh, down an entire bottle of like aspirin and have some old style, which looking back, at least it was a, I was being a local boy and picked a local beer. Uh, but I, I yeah, yeah. Sure. So I took the, uh, the asp- I, I, I took the aspirin pills and then I drank the old style, two of them, took it like a champ. And then next thing you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, started puking my guts out. And then um, my parents woke up. They asked me what is wrong. Uh, I told them. And then next thing you know, I'm in the car with my dad and we're driving to the hospital uh, and then I'll remember this. I'll never forget this and stuff, something that still kind of haunts me to this day nightmares. Cause you just kind of, you know, you're a little traumatized is I was in the back seat and I was feeling like shit cause I was dying. 
And then I looked up into the rear view mirror and there he is, my dad, who is a very strong guy. He's like his, our family, I swear, is cursed by some Mexican witch because, wow, like I could write a movie and, you know, it would star like Jason Isaacs and win a ton of Oscars. But uh, he, uh, his, his, like his dad and his brother and his sister all died in a really bad car wreck where like a semi hit them. But I had never seen him really cry until that day where he cried and he essentially said, how did I fail you? Right. Like as a father, how did I fail you? Mm. And you couldn't really answer him because, you know, your, your, your body's going into all sorts of, you know, shutting down from all the crap you took. So, um, yeah, uh, I survived that, which was good. And then I remember thinking that I would just get out of the hospital and that would be the end of that. And of course it wasn't because then they started asking all sorts of questions. And next thing you know, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a mental, mental hospital, right? Behavioral hospital. They, they try to sugarcoat it by giving it fancy names, but it's essentially, you know, the loony bin. Like, let's not, let's not fucking beat around the bush. Uh, yeah. But yeah. at the time I like, like either they were very booked or I am a goddamn good liar. So, and I like to pretend that I, it's the second that I'm a very good liar, but I convinced them that it was just like a moment of insanity and whatnot. So I wasn't there for very long. I must have been there for maybe like a day and a half, two days, and then they let me. They let me out, right? Um, and then I saw some like psychiatrists, which I only saw for a couple months, and that was the end of that. Uh, so that was the end of that. And you know, I always dealt through depression or what I thought was depression throughout my life, but I learned to mask it really well. You know, went to college, had my God, I had some fun times in college. Uh, and then, uh, you know, met a girl, whatnot, uh, had, you know, had multiple jobs. The one thing is I'm kind of a jack of all trades and master of none. Right. So I've had all sorts of jobs, I'm, you know, not different than you who have had, you know, you've had a decent number of different kinds of jobs and whatnot. And uh, uh-huh. I landed, which could have been to a stable person, like the best job in the world. Right. But to someone who has mental illness is definitely not the best job to be in. And that is, uh, I, I landed a job in the beer industry. Right. And that is, um, I started off as a, uh, merchandiser, which is essentially a peon. So you've been to, obviously you go to like Mariano's and jewels, right? Rory. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. You know, like those really nice beer displays that you're like, wow, who did that? Well, that yeah. would be me as a peon. I would like go around different stores. I had, uh, I had the his- mostly Hispanic market. So I had like little Mexican supermarkets where you, you walk in and you're like, oh, crap, I'm in Mexico, right? Because everything's in Spanish. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I would build display- beer displays and that eventually led to it because I did a good job um, I like to say I'm a hard worker uh, like I throw myself into work and get kind of obsessed with it so I ended up landing like a beer route job um, and I was a salesman to the bar routes do you see how someone with a mental illness would not do well at the bars yeah, yeah I see that 100% it's not good put yourself in bad situations and Bad, uh, right. And, yeah. you know, I, I try to stay healthy. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, dude, I looked as much as Rory because Rory did that to try to save himself. And I just did it just because I, it's more vanity. Like with like with you, bud, like with you, it's more about like keeping mentally strong, which now it is. I've come to 
look at it less as vanity and more like trying to keep mentally strong. But I always did it more out of vanity. But like you were significant, you know, you were actually you're actually getting stronger versus I as long as like I look like I'm strong, I'm happy. I mean, yeah, yeah, so that makes that's, sense. yeah, that's the way I, I approach things. I mean, now I, I approach it from a different perspective. And it's just like, you know, physically strong, mentally strong. But I didn't do that at the time. But uh, I either way, point is, once the bar route started, not all that went out the window, man, my diet, my working out, everything, like, essentially, I live life like a weekend, like a weekend song. Uh, I, I was the weekend and in more ways than one. And you can kind of just fill in the gaps with that. Uh, I don't know how familiar your listeners are to the weekend. I don't know how your audience skews. He's a rap artist, ladies and gentlemen. He, he I don't know. I think he cut his hair, but he used to have like really yeah, crazy yeah. hair. Uh, not as crazy as a man bun, but pretty crazy. Sure. Keep telling yourself. That, <sighs> Listen, dude. Hey, the, the man bun never went out of style. Okay. Just saying. <sighs> I don't think mm. it was ever in style. Uh, yeah. David Beckham wore a man, like a man bun, and if there's anything, anyone that is the pinnacle of fashion, it would be Mr. Victoria Spice. They made Bro. a movie about it. That's how good he was. I don't see no movie made about Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi. And actually, talking about it, Cristiano Ronaldo wears a man bun, and he's like the richest man on the planet. So, just saying. Maybe just after. saying, just saying. But either way, my my life was a mess. I went into every vice that you can have. I mean, it was a fun time. I'm not gonna be sit there and be like, oh, it was awful. Like, no, it was it was a fun time, but it definitely was not. It was it was mentally destroying me. It was spiritually destroying me. It was putting a strain on every relationship. I I don't like. I have a small group of friends that I'm really close with. I I'm under the philosophy, which unfortunately isn't a good thing, but. Hey, we're on a podcast where we talk about our faults, right? This is what we're doing. Um, I yeah. tend to use people. It's something that I'm working on, but I tend to use you, right? Like when I meet you, I'm like, well, how can I use you to my to 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 my betterment, right? And um, and there's a certain number of people that I've known for mostly now for years because we're getting old, right? We're approaching middle age, uh, but. Uh, those people I, I love and I'll take a bullet for, for everyone else is pretty much expendable, which is like I said, something that I have to work on because you probably shouldn't use people for a means, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I, it was putting a strain on the actual, you know, on everything. And I wasn't like, I, I still feel guilty about it, about it. I missed last Halloween. Right. Um, I was coming down from a really bad just it was it was like a combination of a hangover and coming back from like coke and i missed halloween and i still feel pretty goddamn guilty about it you know because my kid dressed up and she and and it snowed that halloween that was my excuse well you know it snowed but they still went out and trick-or-treated in the snow did your kids trick-or-treat that that last year yeah yeah we did uh we dressed up me and melissa dressed up as two grizzly bears and i think rory was might have been spider-man and then Brody was uh, Sully yeah. from Monsters Inc. Yeah, it, it was a it was a crappy day, but you know you you yeah, but yeah, you make the best of it, right? Because the whole, the important thing is to yeah, form memories, course. and you know, and I was sitting on the sidelines because, like, I essentially mm-hmm. thought that I was Tony Montana, right? And just oh god, dude, no, it's no, not never good. It's not not no, look it's up not, to. especially since his accent is so fucking terrible. Like it, it's it's ridiculous how not stereotypical Latino he is. And it's not that I'm like, oh, I'm offended as a Hispanic, but it's just more like, dude, his yeah, yeah, he's an Italian guy yeah. trying to play like he's Cuban, 
and you can tell. Yeah, that's like if you yeah. wanted to play Mexican, like, nah, 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 bro. Like, even if you got a nice tan, which I don't think you're capable of tanning, but still. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, Irish. either way, point is, I thought it was Tony Montana. I did lots of bad things, and my drinking got out of hand, and I've never really had a drinking problem until the bar rap. Which makes sense, because you put yourself in those situations, and it's right there. It's uh, it's the temptation of it all, and I mean, you didn't know. You thought you were just making a living, and hey, it's a cool job. I get to hang out at bars and sell people beer, and everybody loves me because I'm the supplier of the alcohol, and I get that because uh, uh, right when I graduated high school at my the town I went to high school in, I used to throw house parties like every weekend, and like every fucking person in the town loved me, right. and they thought I was the man. And it's just like it's like an intoxicating thing to be like just like globally loved by everybody all your peers and you just you fall for it and then when you get out of it you realize you're like oh shit they didn't like me they just like what i'm right. doing for them so it's yeah and, I get and 100%, the, like and mine went a little further like i had the power to just be like uh you know what i mean like if you look like you know emma stone or saoirse ronan and i'd be like hey how you doing you want me to buy you like a miller light which in hindsight probably it's like it's a Miller Lite, like who gives a fuck? But still, the being able to just, you know, put beers on your tab on a corporate credit card was pretty cool. Um, and I had access to really good beers, which is funny because at the end of the day, I can give two shits about craft beer. Just I, I can't. I'm, I know I'll probably offend a couple people. Your man <laughs> Listen, dude, just give me a Vicky's or give me a Modelo, and I'm happy. <laughs> like if you once you start putting like coffee and like ancient grains and all this other nonsense in my beer, it's like. It's not. It's so it's yummy. Not. Just give me, just. It's so yummy, and it gets you no, nice and fat, and you love it. No, it's and like in fact, you know it from like beer. last weekend, the last couple times I hang out, like I, I, I've embraced the seltzers, which you should too. Yeah, I did for a little bit, and then uh, they just weren't doing it for me, so I started mixing it, tequila just, with the I lime know, ones. But like, and I'm I got pretty sure <laughs> that seltzers are like healthier than water. I like that. At least that's what I would push at the bars. So uh, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's a good pitch, you know, I guess. Not... To the alcoholics who are trying to justify. Are you sure, dude? I'm pretty kids. sure they made some like scientific studies, and it's healthier than Gatorade. Uh, pretty sure LeBron James. I'm... Well, yeah, Gatorade's yeah. got like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure LeBron James on the on the test line. He drinks Corona seltzers. But anyways, long story short, it was pretty what big when me. I was at the bar, so I ended up. Because I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, this, this, this is not good. And then I learned to love, like, the, you know, I, I actually did White Claw. So I did the number one. And then I technically did number two. And, you know, I'll let you guys do some research on what the number two is. But it definitely was not nowhere near as popular as White Claw. Um, but, like, it was one of those things where at first I was like, no, I'm, I'm keto. I don't drink. And most of the bar owners accepted it. But afterwards, once you start getting buddy buds with the beer owners, dude, they're nothing but, like, grown-ass children. Uh, it's just nothing but partying and you have these like 50 people in their fifties and sixties and they're partying like they're 22. Yeah. So next thing you know, it's okay to start drinking at like 10 AM. And I am very like, and I guess I'm very personable. Well, there's two things. You either, when you meet me, you either think I am a gigantic asshole and just completely arrogant or you're like, Oh, I want to hang out with this guy. And most of the people, and like the most of my accounts ended up loving me so it was nothing but like free food and f- there were accounts rory where i would literally 
walk in the door, be like, hey, what's up? I would throw whatever YouTube video I wanted on the TVs, and then I would crack open beers, and I wouldn't have to pay for a single drink. That's some, that's some power, which in, in if you're, like, super mentally strong and healthy, like, I'm sure that's great, and those are perks, right? But when you're not mentally strong, or not only that, but just, you know, like, you're just spiritually, it could be just spiritually you're not strong enough. It, it definitely you'll take like you'll you'll use it in destructive means and that's one of the things that right. like i tend to get really destructive especially on a, on a low because i know everyone's lows are different like some people can't crawl out of bed right and then and or some people get you know some people get really moody and stuff like that i i tend to become destructive quite destructive i can uh i can relate to that in a lot of ways to um i mean yeah i could having a hard time getting out of bed is one thing but the destructive thing you just like it's like this weird thing where you just like your conscience just goes away and you just don't care if you hurt people if like the ones you love or right. ones closest to you right. it's fucked up and you like once you come back you come to and you like look at the damage that you created and you're like ah fuck it's like i don't know if you ever read uh old man logan the comic it was like he uh wolverine he killed all the x-men or whatever because he was like I forgot if he was, like, being mind-fucked by somebody. I forgot. I, it's been a while since I read it. But he, like, killed all the X-Men because he thought they were uh, bad guys coming to get him. And he just, like, slaughtered them all with his claws. And then when he came to, he realized he just laid waste to all the X-Men. And it's like, oh, fuck. And, like, that's kind of where it gets to. Because you get to, like, your mind just blacks out. And you just don't even know what the fuck you're doing. And and uh, you just do so much damage and then when you finally come to you're like god damn it you don't even know how you're gonna fix it bring it back you know like it's just one of those things man and uh being a alcohol person (laughs) seller it's it's called a uh a sales consultant but sure bar bar, or alcohol person sounds pretty good too alcohol yeah being an alcohol person no especially especially with that especially since it's mad like you you can mask it right because uh, my social circle had like never been bigger. I had, I had never, dude. I, I swear to God, like I there were times where I was like, I I am the shit. Like you, that Jesus album that like everyone's like, what the hell is this song? The I am a god, right? Where he's like screaming halfway through the track. Like I understood yeah. it, bro. I was like, I oh yeah <laughs> but I like really i understood it like because i was so like coked out and drunk off my mind every day that i was like i am a god right and then not only that but the social circle was huge and 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 i essentially dude i i, I swear to god like by the end of like the, the the beer route and when it all came to an end i think i like swindled people out of like thousands of dollars it it is it is insane to the point where like i had people texting me in the months afterwards like oh i miss you and stuff like that but you know, at that point, you had it was a different, very different mindset, and you were easily able to say no. But like, come in hindsight and be like, "Wow, dude! Like, I I essentially politicianed my way out of, into these people's wallets and hearts, I guess." And and that's the one thing that I kind of felt bad at Silver Cross, bro, because like at Silver Cross, I mean, you lived it and stuff like that. You have all these people that are and and not, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone cuz I'm not like I, that was kind of me in high school I guess to some extent and in some extent a lot of it was my stupidity and you know but like uh yeah they would recount these stories like I remember this one kid I, I don't even remember his name or anything but like it was so sad and it's just like I just want to find someone 
like who who accepts me for who I am. And then on the last day, it was just like I had enough. So I was just like, hey man, if you don't if if you don't love yourself, if you don't if you don't you know think highly of yourself, it's not going to matter who you have around. You can have a you know a hundred people. You could have girls of different whatever of like different colors to the point where it's like you're opening a Skittles bag. It's, it's not going to mean sh- jack shit, you know? Uh, yeah, how do you take that? Probably, I probably crushed his dreams, man, because that's the other thing too. One, one of the things that like, I'm a realist, right? Um, and one of the, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, what yeah. do you think? I'm a pessimist? No, but like I am no, a realist. Not even and, a little and, bit. Uh, it's one of those things where like, I don't hold like the whole film thing, right? It's one of those uh, things I've learned as like I've stumbled in life is sometimes I would hold on to that dream of like you know oh maybe one day I'll make like a Hollywood blockbuster and that'll make me happy but in reality that that probably wouldn't make me happy and you you know that Rory right like it's one of those things where like you want to leave yeah. an imprint on the world you want to like because right because we're more we're pretentious as leave fuck mark, right yeah. it's not about saving the environment we think a movie that like touches people like that left the mark in the world which is fine you're you know because we're artists that's what we want to do but that that said like um that prop that wouldn't it'll make us happy in like for a little bit but that's not going to be the answer Right. To like, oh, and now you cured depression because you wrote a movie that got, you know, in Tribeca. Like, that's that's not it. And for years, I, I actually thought that was it. And which is funny because I feel like sometimes I would self-sabotage me, self-sabotage myself because I felt like that if I had if I do that movie that gets into multiple film festivals and wins and stuff and I do get a film career. And at the end, at the end of the day, if like I still get those lows that like then life would be meaningless and then i would be like fellini at the end of eight uh eight and a half where it's like oh shit you know like life is definitely not what i thought it would be i mean i, I agree with that 100 percent because i'm i'm terrified that <clears throat> if things happen the way i want them to happen that i'm not going to be satisfied and that's a scary right. thought to have to have to want something so bad and then to be afraid of it because you're scared of how, how you're gonna handle it you know it's like it's not even so much for me like making the movie like yeah it, it would be amazing if i wrote a script that got turned into a movie and people actually loved it and it wasn't just some fucking piece of shit film that got like negative points on rotten tomatoes but like an actual film that people enjoyed and said wow this is really good written well written film blah 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 like that would make me feel so amazing but yeah. would that be enough for me and i i don't know i kind of I just go back to uh, the uh, I said that on the one episode with uh, my buddy from high school where I made that uh, the I made a video on Facebook like I don't know six six years ago so, yeah it was right after Robin Williams died and uh, it was just about uh, depression and all that and uh, yeah man I just like I posted that and it's like that high that I was in for like two to four weeks after I posted that video like. I just, I've been chasing that, and uh, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't think that's why I started this podcast, um, I know I started this podcast because I, for one, enjoy podcasts, um, and but for two, I, I just wanted to get the word out about everything, and uh, I just want people to feel comfortable, and uh, if I can help them along the ways, then yeah, that's awesome, and, uh, but yeah, I am absolutely terrified that the things that I want in life once they happen, right. 
Like, how am I going to handle it? You know, am I just going to want something else that doesn't? Ah, uh, you're going to fucking make fun of me. You are. I know Go you're ahead. about to make fun of me. Safe but space. I'm going to say it Safe anyway. Um, there's uh, uh, a line in uh, an NF song. I know you. Listen, listen. Hate I don't me when I talk about NF, NF but for Christmas, my buddy. No, my buddy got me. My buddy. I didn't say you hated. Uh, got me tickets to NF for for t- NF and Tom York, right for for uh, Christmas, and then fucking COVID happened, and none of that happened. So yeah, I love NF as much as you. I just I don't right. have the man crush. Like I wouldn't leave my girl if like NF like yo dude like let's go shoot some music videos like you would. But it's okay. We all have our man crushes. It's fine. He just he has this. Uh, I honestly don't even. I fuck, he has so many songs that I don't even know which one this is from. But he says uh, basically he's just he's singing about. He, I think it's that Nate song where he's like singing to his younger self or whatever. But he's just saying that uh, you'll just you'll keep you'll do all these things. You'll drop these albums. You'll make millions, but none of this will ever make you happy. And then he said once you reach something, you'll just make another goal that doesn't lead to freedom. And that's like, I hear that and I hear it all the time because I listen to them and I'm like, fuck, man, like, what if that happens to me? Like, what if I, you know, what if I make a movie? What if I, um, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I told anybody yet on this podcast, but I plan on going back to the school to become a, a high school teacher because I, I don't like being in construction and it doesn't bring me fulfillment. So I want to do something that's going to fulfill me. Like, what if I become a teacher and I become uh, a football or a track coach like I plan on what if I do like what if I this podcast actually pops off a little bit and helps people like what if all these things happen and then I'm like all right that's cool and then I just make another goal that I fucking go crazy about and you know it doesn't lead me to that freedom that I thought I was going for and I guess then it's just like it's, it's like a point a point of view type of thing like you could think it of like yeah I'm never satisfied I always want to get better or it's where my mind goes is like you're not good enough you're not doing enough you're not the like you, you right. could be better type of thing you know what i mean it's like that's how that that my my that's where my mind will go and so i it's just one of those things man and uh so yeah just hearing other people feel that way hearing other successful people say that it's like fuck i hope i'll be okay but it, you never know until it happens i guess you know but I don't have a man crush on NF. I just, his music, like, came to me literally, like, less than a month before I came into the hospital. Like, the first time I really heard him was, like, like two weeks before I went into the hospital. And I was just, you know, like, obviously, that was a weird time for me, clearly. And uh, I got out, and I just started listening to all of his shit. And, like, he's just very personal to me. But no, I don't have a man crush on NF. I just appreciate his work. Yeah, no, I really like NF. Um, he's actually one of the, there's a handful of artists that write music about loss. And I actually, when I'm really low, I tend to listen to them um, and essentially gain a little bit perspective of how selfish I would be if I, you know, like if I definitely would be, mm-hmm. let the wolves win and, you know, and fucking off myself. And NF has that, how can you leave us? And I would, I would, yeah, and I always listen to that and just be like, God oh, damn, dude. if I did that to my daughter, who I named Gwen Stacy, for all you comic book nerds, figure mm. that one out. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, and I, so I listen to that. I listen to like Five Finger Death Punches. I remember everything. And yes, Five Finger Death Punch is definitely a bro band, but sorry, guys. <laughs> I crush White Claws, listen to Five Finger Death Punch, <laughs> and, you know, listen to a little bit of Jesus. Like, yeah. I, I am definitely a douche. 
But uh, like those are the, I, I do think that music obviously is a powerful tool and it's something that they use at Silver Cross, but listening to that kind of music and putting in perspective, like, God, man, like that would be su- not only because I get it. And one of the things that people, especially like survivors of suicide tend to forget that like the, someone who commits suicide is definitely not the, uh, it, it's not about, it's not about the people that they leave behind. It's about them. And that at that moment, they thought that, you know, ending it all would be the best possible action to stop the pain, right? But at the same time, you definitely right. could put things in perspective and just be like, I would definitely ruined, ruin a ton of people. Uh, and then in terms of your goals, which I, it is scary, Rory, that like, you know, you might make a movie and it wins festivals and that might not bring you happiness. And that is scary. But like at, at the, the bar route, which I, I love and I wouldn't change a thing because everything for better for worse teaches you life lessons but bro like i in high school i would put a lot of like well if i did this i would like this would bring me happiness and then even in college right because i went to film school okay liberal arts uh not like one of the things is just i thought that you know like if i had a big group social group or if you know if i live i'm growing up i've always been one of my favorite writers, if not my favorite, probably my favorite writer of all time, not counting comic book artists, is Brett Easton Ellis. And he's a rich yacht kid, right, who writes about rich people and their problems. I was like, oh, maybe if I live my life like that guy, I would be happy. And I did. And, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm not exaggerating when I was like, my life was a fucking weekend song, right? Uh, at, but that didn't, that, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, that didn't bring me happiness. And there was a lot of people at Silver Cross, which we're all on our you know, life journey and we'll all learn lessons one way or another. But they would talk about like, oh, having a big social group and meeting people is going to change a thing. But if you don't love yourself, it doesn't matter if that social group is 200 people, right? It doesn't matter if like what you think are like super hot chicks, you know, and they all want you like that's not going to fix anything. If you don't love yourself, you're still going to hate yourself. And when you're on a low, whether you're bipolar or depressed, like it's not going to help the, the the best thing you can do is work on yourself yeah it's the yeah it's the it's the biggest thing and that was my probably my biggest takeaway when i came out when i came home and i saw my boys and i saw melissa and stuff and i'm like i just gotta get my shit figured out because my shit is what let me into the hospital because my shit i thought was too much for my family and i was just a giant burden for them and i might as well just off myself because i'm just too much hardship on the people that I'm supposed to be taking care of and you go, you know, and so I, I go to the hospital instead of taking care of myself, you know, and I, so I, instead I go to the hospital and I realize I'm like, man, I got to fucking figure this shit out or else the, right. I don't know, I, something bad's going to happen. And um, so, I mean, I've, it hasn't been perfect at all since I've gotten out. I've had plenty of downtimes and bad days. And uh, recently, I mean, I, I know you heard that last, that last podcast that I put out a couple of weeks ago, it was, I was pretty bad, but I can, I can get into that a different time of what happened there. But, um, I mean, yeah, I just try to focus on myself. I mean, like the first thing I did when I came out, one of the first things I did that really, uh, gave me a sense of purpose, uh, was, uh, making the movie with you before all the COVID shit happened. Me and you were kind of in like the pre-production, pre-pre-production stages of, uh, filming an indie movie and getting shit ready for it and um 
I mean, it, it was, uh, it felt real to me. Like I wasn't, to me, everything is always too good to be true. Like if I just like walked up to a fucking Walmart or something and I just happened to like run into like fucking, uh, Jeff Brizos or one of those rich assholes. And he's like, Hey, you know what? Come out to my car. I'm going to give you a million dollars in cash. If he's literally standing right there and it's the guy, it's Bill Gates, it's whoever, and they say, I'm, I would not believe it. I would say, yeah, this is too good to be true. You just look like him, or this is not, this isn't real. This is, I'm dreaming, like something, until I actually physically had the money in my hand, I would never believe it. But, so when it came to making the movie, normally, my MO would be, not going to happen. It's too good to be true. Like, my shit's not good. This guy doesn't want to work with me. He's just just trying to be nice like that's how i used to be but instead i like like you know what no you need to change your focus here and like i was in it and i was and i even like told my counselor because i asked you i'm like how much money do we have to raise to make this movie and you're like 20 grand i'm like no problem right before if i heard 20 grand i'd probably shrink and melt to the floor and so like i just i just changed my focus and my perspective on stuff and then you know COVID happened and everything but um but yeah, dude, I was like in it. I, like I talked to Melissa about it. Like we were like planning on it. Like I told her like, hey, this is happening. So like I'm going to need a lot of time. And she was all she was cool with it because she knew it was a passion and a dream of mine. So she wanted me to go after it. And as long as I was still her husband and father of the boys, not just, you know what I mean? Just like I said, no problem. I'm said, but I'm, I am going to take some time to put towards this movie. And I was in it. I was fucking in it. And you know, COVID happened, and I was pretty bummed out, obviously. I haven't forgotten about it. It's not like I've completely scrapped the project in my mind, but um, so that was one thing. That was, like, the first thing, the first big thing I noticed when I came out of the hospital where my mindset right. and changed it, my perspective you know, on and stuff, you know. Obviously, going through a mental institution does change your mind and puts things to perspective, and sometimes it's the reset. Uh, I went into silver cross for very selfish reasons to try to avoid some jail time. Unlike you guys, like, you know, your story is just like, Oh, like, I'm so glad you did that Rory. Right. Like you recognize that you had a problem and you went in. I was like, Oh, I need to avoid jail time. <laughs> so let me tell people that, uh, yeah. Um, uh, I need, like, I have a problem and I'm, I'm like, you know, I have mental illness because, uh, I ended up like the, the, cause you said, that the, you walking in the or you going in the silver cross was um essentially you you realizing that you had a problem right and you had no way of like uh you had no way to come you had no solution and you had you thought you had no way out so you decided to check yourself into the hospital right right yeah so what I ended up doing was right. uh, on one night in my bar route after I had finished is uh, I ended up taking a cocktail. Uh, but it was a cocktail of, um, what was it? Uh, Vicodin, Coke, uh, had a ton of shots. And then I did some weed from a pen, uh, just to, you know, just to top it off. And next thing you know, I ended up, I got in my car, which is a very stupid idea. Uh, I got in my car and by the way, as a salesperson, you get, um, you get like a beer sponsored truck. And uh, I'm not going to say which beer company, but like, let's, let's say it's from our very close neighbors. And next thing you know, I, I clipped a car. Whoops. Luckily, I didn't damage the car too much, but I didn't end up clipping a car. 
And um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I probably turned that person into like the competitors, uh, like a competitor's fan for life. Because could you imagine, bro? Like if you know you're just chilling in your freaking porch, and all of a sudden, like I don't know, like let's just say uh, like a Dos Equis car just smashes in your car, you would never drink Dos Equis. You would be like, "Fuck the most interesting guy in the world," right? Like. You know, I'm drinking Modelo or yeah. whatever. Uh, but, yeah, so that was the end of that. Uh, I definitely had some, some like, ridiculous night that I just kind of – because I was so fucked up. I just barely remember glimpses of it. But then next thing you know, I was like, oh, yep, I've come. My, like, my, my run's come to an end. Um, you know, I heard Frank Sinatra the next morning <laughs> – uh the you know my way i was like oh i'm i'm done i need to turn myself in uh but like i was like you know what at this point i had realized that like i was just masking the fact that like for like the last couple of months i had not been feeling good right but uh like it was something that i always knew in the back of because that's the thing with rory like i'm sure like months prior to you you know joining silver or not joining it's not like you join a fraternity although it kind of felt like a fraternity at points uh, this, <laughs> your group of guys, right? Your group of guys, but like those group of dudes were like Kumbaya. And then I essentially got like a bunch of rejects. And then my guy was like an anarchist who wanted to bring society down. So definitely was a different experience you versus I, uh, but, um, yeah, like, like you had known for months that you weren't doing okay. Right. Right. But like, you just, I don't know. Did you dive into right. work or whatever to try to hide that? I mean, at the time, like, uh, I literally weren't, went from working like 60 hours a week to being laid off. Right. And, uh, it was a weird change for me. Um, I worked like literally Monday through Saturday, all October, like 10, 10 hour shifts. Right. And then, uh, Halloween, I think it was the week of Halloween. Yeah. Last year I just, they stopped working me and then. I worked Halloween and then I worked like one more day after that. And all of a sudden I stopped getting the schedule and I'm like, well, I guess I'm laid off and I didn't know what the fuck to do. And I've never collected unemployment before. And like, it was just a huge thing. And, um, it was just like, my mind was just like, I was already, I was already having a rough go at it, uh, with my job and with life and with my mind and where it was at. And I'd already talked to my counselor about setting up an appointment with, a with a therapist or shrink or whatever to get on some medication before I even went to the hospital. So like when I got there, they're like, Oh, well you need to set up an appointment before you get out. And I'm like, I already do dude. Like I was planning on going like it's just that they, they're overbooked. So they had to push me like it was over a month in advance or whatever, farther down the road. So like, it, I just didn't make it that far. I ended up in the hospital before I got to my meds and they're like, Oh, okay, well that's good. Like, yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, I was in a rough way at the time coming in to the hospital, as you can imagine why. But yeah, man, like that was just my experience with it. I mean, I didn't even know. Like, did you have yeah, to uh, so, get like evaluated uh, and all that shit when you walked in? Because it's so weird how it's so insurance process. So, you know, because I don't know about you, what kind of insurance you had, but I had to find out which psych ward would take me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I went in that Saturday. So I ended up, mm. you know, living it up on Friday and then Saturday I ended up um 
checking myself into to, to Silver Cross. And it was really weird because I, I tried to fit as much as the Mandal because the Mandalorian came out that weekend. So I remember watching as much of the Mandalorian. Yeah. I ended up watching like two episodes of the Mandalorian and being like, okay, now that I finished the Mandalorian, yeah. I can go to this psych ward. Yeah, because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to fucking not watch the show. Like, what yeah. if someone had Twitter? Like, you know, sneak the phone up their ass or whatnot. So I did it. I watched The Mandalorian. And then that Saturday, I checked myself into the psych ward mm. because I figured I, that was time. It was time, man. And then, um, yeah, the evaluation. Uh, they ask you all sorts of funky questions, right? I don't know. Did they right, ask, yeah. What did they ask you? I think on a scale of one to five, like, fucking, do you want to hurt yourself? Do you want to hurt others? Do you think about... I don't know, a whole bunch of different questions and like they they number it by f- like one to five and then they add it all up at the end and if you have more than like 15... Yeah, weren't you like super high? Like, check didn't you, you like set a record I like LeBron like 22 James? or 23 or something. Yes. Uh, did they drug test you? Because they definitely drug test me. They took my blood. I'm sure they tested it for drugs, but I never took a... I don't know, did I take a piss test? I don't remember. I just remember walking into the room with the male nurse and the big ass security guy. And they put me in a robe. Yeah. Told me to drop my pants, squat down and cough. Yeah. No, I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I had a yeah. cough and someone cut cool. me. Uh, God, no, uh, they did drug test me. And I, and I swear to God, I think uh, if, if you could pass with flying colors, I passed with flying colors. Cause I popped for like every drug known to man. And uh, that's when they're like, Oh, he's, He's clearly, you know, um, he's clearly mentally unstable because, like, you know, it's just because he takes drugs. Um, so, yeah. And they asked me the questions and I answered. But it was so, like, it's weird. One of those things where it's, like, in the moment you have all these emotions and they're so clinical about it, right? Yeah. So uh, they, they, they told me, like, essentially we're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're, you're perfect for Silver Cross. And then, you know, they're like, wait here. And they essentially make you take off your shoes because you can't wear your shoes because you might fucking choke yourself with the shoelace. Yeah, yeah. And then they take, they like go through your clothes because you pack for your clothes Shoelaces, like yep. you're a pregnant chick about to give birth, right? And, you know, you're like, oh, I should probably pack a sweater and stuff. But then they raid you for like zippers and stuff because like if you really hate your life, uh, it's like Naomi Watson's day where she talks about bringing the second razor. Yep. Well, like people can like slit their wrists with zippers, which is pretty fucked up if you think about it. Yeah, everything everything was like hangproof. You right, had to like and, and they they watch you right up against sleep the wall and stuff like in the that, shower and, just to you know, wash your hair. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up, you know, uh, and stuff. But anyways, then then they're like, oh, you have a room, and then they lead you up to it, and it's like super like high, um, you know, it, it it's very there's a lot of security, and it's like oh shit, like it's almost like you're in jail, right? But it's not glamorous because you didn't fucking you know murder someone, and you're like OJ. Mm-hmm. It's just you have a mental illness, but they treat you kind of like a criminal in the beginning, in the beginning. And that, yeah, exactly. And then, like, they lead you up to the psych ward. And well, we every, it was lights out, right? Yeah. And then they led me to this room with this guy who wouldn't just shut the fuck up about the demons in his head. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and <laughs> my first night was there, and you, gar- you hardly get sleep, right? And you're just like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Like, this is, this is real. And then, but luckily, uh, I found out yeah. that because for years I had thought that I was just depressed and stuff like that. But um, I'm actually not like anyone you've had on the podcast. I have a, a different mental illness. 
All right, that was my buddy Leo Torres coming on, uh, giving us a little sneak peek into his weird fucking life. Um, you know, me and him, we can kind of ramble on about some stuff because we are good buddies like that, and uh, we tend to kind of go on these conversational journeys with one another. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to split this conversation into uh, two parts. So if you enjoyed whatever the hell that was between me and Leo, uh, if you want to learn more about him and his diagnosis and everything else, uh, tune in next week for the part two episode of Therapy Sessions with Leo Torres.